Hello, it's Mike McDivitt, interim pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church, and we are going to be in Luke chapter 24 today, if you would. Luke chapter 24, and we are going to speak on some things that we can learn from the early church. And this is really immediately after following the, res the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And uh, so I thought that would be appropriate after last week. So we're going to Luke chap start in Luke chapter 24. And in verse 36, if you would, and then we'll have a word of prayer. And it says, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet. That is, is I myself. Handle me and see, for the Spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. <clears throat> and while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you which I, when I, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name among all, in his name, excuse me, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. Let's pray to our fathers. Thank for this day you've given us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you will just open your word up to our hearts today and show us what you would have for us today, Father. And just um, thank you for all that you've done for us this week, Lord. I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the resurrection, immediately following uh, the resurrection, rather, he, he, he came to them. And they were afraid. They, they didn't, you know, they were told, but for some reason they didn't understand. But when he opened their eyes, they saw who he was and seen a very important thing, that the scriptures were real. The scriptures were true. His word, in other words, was kept. Isn't it something? There's a lot of people today that are that way, aren't there? In our church, in the churches that we have today, the one thing we can learn from this early church is this very lesson to these disciples that when God says something, pay attention. Because when he proclaims that something's going to happen, guess what? It's going to happen. When something is real, it is real. Something is wrong, it is wrong. Something we should do, then we should do it. We should pay attention. His word is always true. And he came and he comforted them and he spent time with them and, and, uh, Proclaim some things to them. I thought this this was a, a tremendous set of scriptures. 
and Jesus coming to those disciples that he loved, showing them the whole, the hands, the, the wounds in his hands, the wounds in his feet, and the love in his heart. Truthfully, isn't it? Of course it is. We're going to come back to this chapter, but in the meantime, let's turn to Acts chapter 1. Really, when I read through the Gospels, I kind of like going to Acts right after Luke. And I like to read Matthew, Mark, John, and I go back to Luke because Luke wrote Acts. So it's kind of a nice way of reading it, I think, anyway. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read... Uh, Four through eleven. There's some reading today, so I hope you don't mind. There's just there's really no way of putting this in context without reading these scriptures. So, Acts chapter one and four through eleven it says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? This was on the heart of all the Jews. Not really understanding God's timing and God's way. What's that one verse say? His ways aren't our ways, right? But they asked. And God can handle your questions, my friend. We all have questions, don't we? And they asked a very pertinent question to a Jew in those days. We get into verse 7. It says, and he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and to Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of earth. This is a very important scripture. It's also in Matthew 28 and a few other places in the scriptures. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. The one thing we can learn from this early church is they were told to wait for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were told to, uh, they were given the Great Commission. Now, they didn't have the Holy Ghost at this time yet, dwelling in their hearts, but they did after this. Now, when we get saved today, we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts right away. But, the Great Commission part, many times, we kind of ignore. The one thing we can learn from this early church is that when Jesus Christ opened their eyes, the one thing, one of the reasons I believe he opened their eyes for wasn't only to show them who he is, and he is really Jesus, but also what he needed to tell them their job was, to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. And the way he states it here, to be witness for him both in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, right now our church is in Ivywood, Pennsylvania. So it would be like Jesus telling this church that I go to, 
well, you need to go and preach the gospel to Ivywood and to Butler County and to Pennsylvania and to America and to the outermost parts of the earth. This isn't a suggestion, my friend. This is a command to not only the church at the beginning, but it is a command to the church today, to the church. And that is a body of baptized believers. We exist today. 2,000 years later, by the power of God Almighty, this is nobody can destroy the church. This is God's church. We've had many nations across the world try to destroy the church. And I mean the true church. There's a lot of places that call themselves churches. The one that believes this Bible is the inerrant word of God and salvation by faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, etc., right? Same thing preached today as it preached 2,000 years ago. We've had nation after nation try to destroy the church. And the more they persecute us, the more we grow. And this is one of the reasons. We are to tell other people about him. That's our job. We went over this before, but let's say it again. It's your and my job to tell them. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict them. And then it's their job to say yes or no. Go into all the world. A couple more verses, if you would. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, received out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven, and as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These are angels. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall so light, come in like manner as ye have seen him go into the heavens. This is a wonderful, wonderful promise. It really is. When he left these disciples, he just didn't leave them without any hope. He told them what their job was. He reminded them of what was going to happen in their near future. He was, they were going to be blessed by being able to, we, we take it for granted, having the Holy Spirit in us. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. But some people think that is the end of it all. That the Holy Spirit comes in when you get saved and you're going to heaven. Oh, right. And it is. It's wonderful, isn't it? Something as big as God moves in, you surely know it. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not the end of it. That's the beginning of the journey. And there is responsibility with knowledge, especially when it comes to the salvation of souls. Our responsibility is to tell other people how and what the gospel is to give them an opportunity to get saved. It really is. And so what did they do? Well, they did what they were told. Verse 12, it says, And then returned they to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, the Sabbath day's journey, 
And when they were come in, they went up to the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. I'm telling you, this is something that churches have a hard time with these days also. What else could we learn from this first church? When Jesus says to do something, you just better do it. He said for them to go, and he said to them to wait, right? That uh, back in verse 4, it says, Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith ye have heard of me, for John truly is baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so what did they do? They went to the upper room and they waited. And continued with what? One accord. Now there's something, right? Many churches have a hard time with that all by itself. With one accord. They had one. I tell you what. What is one of the... One of the uh, Hardest things for churches these days, I think. One of the things, there's a lot of things, but one of the things is, and that we could learn from this, is not only to do what Jesus said, but to worship with one accord, to continue with one accord, not be bickering, not be gossipers. I tell you what, no wonder some people don't want anything to do with the church. Because the church acts as bad or sometimes as worse than the world. It's terrible. One thing we could learn from this first church is to worship with one accord. With one accord. Let's turn back to Luke 24 where we started out at. Luke chapter 24. We're going to go to 49 through the end there, first there. So it's 49 through 53. It says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. This is Jesus talking. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye become endued with the power from on high. Again, he's telling them to stay there until they get the Holy Spirit. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up the hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he parted from them and carried up into heaven. And when they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Again, this is reiterating uh, the, the Mount of Transfiguration. Or not the Mount of Transfiguration, I'm sorry. But when he was carried up uh, into heaven. And he says, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. They were continually in the temple praising God and blessing God. You know, worship. What is worship? Well, they worshiped in prayer. They worshiped listening to preaching. They were in the temple. They worshiped in their praise. Sometimes people make a mistake on what really worship is. You know, if you got up this morning and spent time with the Lord, that's worship. If you went on through your day today and you chose to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing, 
That's worship. As you walk with the Lord in your daily life, that's worship. It's not just some people think, oh, it's raising my hands. No, no. Worship encompasses a lot of things. It's in a consistent Christian life as you spend time in his word and on your knees and telling others, that's worship. Because you are doing what you're told. You are not just doing it because you're told. You're doing it because you love the Lord. I'm telling you. These people worship. We could learn from them how to worship. And they can. They were continually. And some people complain because they go to church once a week. They were in church. Other places it tells you. I'm like, like every day they were in church. Can you imagine that? You know, it wasn't a burden. No, no. They loved it. They loved their church. Somebody was talking to me about my parents, and the one thing I was saying about my parents was that the day they got saved before I was born in 1960, they fell in love with the Lord. They fell in love with this church. Sometimes people talk about the church like it's a burden. No, my friend, it is not a burden. Jesus Christ loved the church and died for it. I know church isn't just the building. I know that. It, it, is, it is the people. I know that. But in the service of him, there's a lot of things that we could do. You know, if you scrub the toilet, somebody scrubs the toilet, somebody mows the yard, somebody witnesses, somebody teaches a class, etc., etc. I tell you, that is truly uh, how a Christian ought to be in love with this church and in love with the Lord because he's in love with this church and we're to be like him, right? Acts chapter, let's see here. Let's look at Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four, running out of time here. I don't know if I want to really be able to go through everything I have here. Acts chapter four. I like to hold this to 20 minutes, and we are really coming up on it. Acts chapter 4, and verse uh, 46. Acts chapter 4, and verse 40. No, wait a minute here. I got the wrong one here. Acts chapter 2, and verse 46. I am sorry. Acts chapter 2, and verse 46. It says, And they continually and daily... With one accord in the temple, one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They praised God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Oh my! How did they grow? Not only did people listen to them, but they had a reason to, because praising God and having favor with all people is because they were serving the Lord with all their heart. Were excited. Are you excited about the Lord today? I hope you are. Because people see it. Are you an old grump? Well, I hope not. I really do. I hope not. We're running out of a little time here. So let's, let's hurry up and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll end that there in that uh, section of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we are going to go to verse, let's see, 26. 1 Corinthians 15. 
Well, let's go 19. We're going to skip a few verses here just so that we can get this all in. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 and 20, it says, And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If you just have hope in him in this life alone, it's worthless, right? But in verse 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. So he was rose from he rose from the dead, and we have hope in him. In verse twenty six, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. He destroyed death. If you are saved today, you're going to heaven. Does death scare you? No, he's going to destroy death. But not only that. If I die today, I'm going straight to heaven, of course. But we are also looking for something else. It's right in this chapter, so we might as well read a couple of verses of it real quickly, if you would. 1 Corinthians 15, let's start 51, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruptible, incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. The rapture. I believe it could come any time. Everything's fulfilled that needs to be fulfilled, my friend. The Lord is coming. Or death might take us. Are you ready? Several things here we can learn from the Old Testament. I mean, the new, this New Testament, rather, uh, set of scriptures. The, the church that are at the beginning, we could learn so much from. They did what he told them to do. They were rejoicing in his resurrection. They... Um, followed the Great Commission and was added onto them daily because they told people about him. They weren't ashamed to say so. You need to not be ashamed to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they waxed bold. We didn't really read that, but in Acts, if you want to read on your own, 13, 44 through 46 and 50 through 52, they were bold. They were bold. And added to the church. And because of that, our churches are here today. Aren't you grateful? I am. Well, a few thoughts anyway, my friend. And I hope that you have a great week. And I hope that you have a great Sunday tomorrow. And uh, I tell you what. Witness to some poor lost soul, would you? Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you for the day you've given us, Lord. I pray, dear Lord, that you will just help us as we go through this week to be a witness and to serve you. We love you, Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, you guys have a great week, and I hope that you have a great Sunday tomorrow. All right? Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. God bless.